Hi everybody, Brian Valenti here with Red Rock Micro. Uh, as you may know, Red Rock Micro was recently featured on the cover of Studio Monthly in review on how to achieve the film look. Today we're excited and very fortunate to speak with Nino Del Padre and Mark Archer, who are authors of this article and partners in Del Padre Productions. We're going to take an opportunity for a more in-depth look behind the article to talk to about some of the things that maybe they didn't have a chance to really put in a short form article and to talk a little bit about any sort of experience and suggestions they have for using Red Rock gear and in general for achieving the film look using digital video. Hi guys and welcome. Hey Brian, thanks. Hey, how are you? Great, great, thanks. So listen, do me a favor, take a little time to introduce yourselves and talk a little bit about Del Padre Productions. Sure, I'm uh, Nino Del Padre, President and Creative Director at Del Padre Visual Productions. Uh, we started the uh, business in 1991 out of a walk-in closet in my mom's apartment actually shooting wedding videos and uh, primarily video production was our uh, event video production was uh, the services we're offering uh, about 96 we moved into a real office here in an industrial park uh, in East Long Meadow Mass where we still are today and got into uh, interactive media uh, web development and things like that um, and today we offer a full service uh, pr media production including uh, website design <coughs> uh, video production uh, DVD authoring and uh, all that good stuff Mark? Yeah, I came on board, uh, I don't know, a decade ago or so. Uh, I work uh, here at Del Padre Visual as a producer, and uh, my role is to uh, uh, kind of soup to nuts from shooting, editing, uh, producing, uh, working with clients, and seeing projects uh, through start to finish. That's great. Thanks, guys. Um, so listen, my first question is, uh, you know, with Red Rock in particular, uh, and in the article, it was titled How to Achieve the Film Look. And I'm just curious if you could spend a little time talking about how you find Del Padre Productions wanting to achieve the film look and what, what is important for you to actually be able to go out and offer this to your clients. Well, I remember one of the reasons I, I, I purchased the unit. Um, I was on the uh, DVX user forum and uh, a gentleman had recorded himself uh, sitting on the couch uh, talking to nobody as a test subject uh, with and without the, uh, the adapter on. And I was just absolutely blown away that I was looking at something that was shot on the same camera just with your, with your rig attached. Uh, one looked like a very uh, flat, sharp, typical uh, video look, and one looked like a stylized music video when they had attached the Red Rock uh, rig with uh, along with the Nikon lens. I was just blown away. I, I, I said, Mark, check this out. We got to get this thing. This is something we could offer our clients uh, that I don't think too many people are doing in our, our, our small little area here. And uh, it was just mind-blowing, and that was the, the real turning point for me after viewing your site and seeing some of the sample footage uh, that's up there uh, again just totally blown away that these these things were shot with uh, one third inch chip uh, video cameras the uh, some of the stuff was indisguisable from film and uh, it was just uh, mind-boggling and uh, that's when I got Mark aboard. I said, Mark, you gotta, you gotta check this thing out. It's, a, it's an adapter, an affordable adapter that allows us to use uh, 35 millimeter film lenses with our HVX. And uh, 
and that's how it started and once we uh, started uh, using it and uh, back then there was a four or five week uh, waiting period it was probably the, the longest four or five weeks of my life because I want to get the thing in my hand so bad um, and uh, now we probably use it 90% of the time we never really even take it off the camera uh, because we're in love with the, uh, the that elusive film look uh, so much uh, I I've been uh, shooting, I'm a still photographer as well, so for me it was, uh, it was obviously a welcome uh, ability to be able to bring depth of field. As a still photographer, you're, you know, that's one of your main tools is depth of field that, that has uh, typically or historically been uh, not offered through video because you really don't, you really don't get the ability to... Uh, to, to produce that depth of field like you would with a still camera. So for me, it was an ability to bring some of the techniques that uh, I have been using in still photography and uh, wishing that I had uh, with videography. And so I think we took about, uh, you know, 10 minutes to decide, yeah, we got to get this. So in fact, the five weeks that we, that we waited for the unit, we, uh, we uh, spent collecting Nikon lenses. So uh, by the time we got the unit, we had a really nice assortment of uh, <clears throat> very fast uh, fixed Nikon lenses uh, to use with the unit. And uh, we continue now to seek out great lenses to use. And, and that's another great uh, thing is, you know, we, we, can change our, we can change the look dramatically by using different lenses and, and generally real high quality Nikon Nikkor lenses. You talked a little bit about your reaction to uh, this footage. Can you spend a little bit of time talking about how your clients react to it? I mean, I imagine they probably don't necessarily know the technology behind it, but do they really notice a difference? Well, you know, that that's a good point. And uh, we try to, you know, we always try to explain what we're going after with clients. And, and they have a different, uh, always have a different level of understanding. Now, in fact, since we did this article for, for Studio Monthly, uh, since that time, I've sent out our test footage uh, uh, of that shoot numerous times uh, and brought it into meetings with clients to illustrate that, and it, it worked awesome. They, in, in most cases, just understood immediately what we were talking about. Uh, by giving them an A-B comparison, which is, as Nino mentioned, that's what we saw uh, in that example that we saw, and it was literally moments we said, wow, we've, we've got to get this. And it's worked out very well. Uh, I think having the A-B comparison to explain to clients what you're talking about is very helpful because they don't necessarily understand. Everyone knows, you know, <clears throat> the look of film, but it's hard to quantify, and often... You know, in this industry, we're working with buyers, we're working with uh, marketing folks that may not be that savvy to the technological aspect of what we do, but they're definitely savvy to the look, look and feel. So we find the best way is to show them examples. So we've gone out of our way to, uh, to shoot a lot of before and after examples uh, through the Red Rock uh, and, and without and that's, that's really been uh, very, very helpful because clients can really see exactly what we're talking about. And it, nine times out of ten, they're, they're like, yep, the, wow, yeah. that's incredible. They, it looks like film. Right. They, they get it right away. They, they, they don't know, like you said, the technical aspect of it, but they know right away this looks like uh, a training video. This looks like uh, a movie or a national commercial. They, they, they're so used to seeing that high-end stuff on TV. 
every day they would they they see the these national commercials or or things like that and they see the the red rock uh footage and they say yep that's what we're looking for but you know probably couldn't previously afford to shoot on film um so it opens up a lot of new opportunity for us as a production company to offer this type of uh uh film like uh production to uh people with lower budgets yeah and that's a that's a real common theme that we've certainly heard is trying to take this uh high quality production value and make it available for people who maybe don't have high quality production value budgets um but let's talk right now a little bit more about your experience with the red rock gear in particular uh, I've noticed it's been said that shooting with a video camera attached to the Red Rock M2 adapter and the Red Rock accessories is certainly no longer like shooting with a video camera, and yet it's really not quite the same as shooting with a 35mm motion picture film camera. Can you offer some perspective on how you approach this new medium of kind of video film style shooting with uh, Red Rock gear? Yeah, sure. I mean, it certainly is a lot different than uh, shooting without uh, shooting with a video zoom lens, um, and you quickly realize how much you uh, use a zoom lens once you work with fixed focal length lenses and uh, accessories like that. Um, the major thing is, uh, you, you know, that you, you no longer can uh, just reframe your shot by zooming in or out. So you definitely have to carefully plan your lighting, um, your shots, your selection of uh, uh, lenses and things like that to get the shot you need um, because it's uh, imperative to, uh, of course, have the correct lighting and composition to get that high quality uh, film, uh, film look. Uh, it's not just throwing on the adapter. Um, but there's definitely a lot more preparation uh, that goes into shooting with uh, the cinema-style accessories. Yeah, the, so there may be occasions where, uh, where it's not applicable. If we've got to move real fast, it, it, it might be quicker to, to use the regular standard zoom lens. But for, in most cases, we're, we're, we don't shy away from extra work. But you do have to be aware of the extra time that it takes. You've either got to move the camera or change the lens. And uh, as Nino said, one of the biggest things that we run into uh, in shooting in this manner is we do need a little bit more light. A regular standard lens is much more forgiving. You could just crank open the iris, and uh, even without it, uh, you know, bringing up your gain, you can generally get away with with not a lot of lighting. So that's been one of the issues. So since uh, that time, we've put uh, some more money into lighting as well. Uh, because we realize that um, you know it takes steals a couple stops of light, well worth it. But you do need a nice uh, a nice even lighting and uh, to to get the effect that you're looking for, and give yourself the extra time to to move your camera, to change your lenses, and and have an assortment of lenses to use. That's been very critical. We've got uh, six or eight different fixed lenses that we use now, uh, so we can very easily go from a from a fifty millimeter to a, to a 105 uh, and, and often not change the camera location but take a moment to change the lens out so th there's some different methodologies that you have to uh, bring into place that are a little bit different from conventional videography where you might be moving a little bit faster 
The the, the uh, fixed focal lengths, as you know, uh, usually have the uh, the fastest aperture. So uh, when shooting outdoors, uh, we, we have a $150 zoom lens I bought off of eBay. That's one of my favorite lenses to use, uh, which we can get away with when shooting outdoors with a lot of light. So that's a lot of fun um, to be able to use uh, a, a zoom lens uh, when the uh, when the lighting is, is available. Um, so you don't actually have to give up uh, using a zoom lens, but as a lot of uh, users have found, the uh, the faster lenses are fixed uh, fixed uh, focal lengths. That's some great advice, guys, and, and I'm sure all of the listeners really appreciate that. Let's talk just for a moment about uh, 35 millimeter lens selection in particular. I'm going to ask each of you to maybe pick your top three lenses uh, that you would go to a desert island with and be happy shooting with and maybe just a little bit about why you picked these three sure well i think uh i would choose one of my favorite lenses is the uh, 85 millimeter uh 1.4 i believe uh nikon lens and it's just a beautiful beautiful portrait lens that um just gives a, a gorgeous uh, depth of field and uh, real, real nice color, color balance and saturation. Um, I would probably also bring with me a nice wide-angle lens, uh, maybe a 24 or 28 to get some nice uh, Vista shots. Um, that's one of my other favorite lenses. And um, the 50 millimeter we have, which is our fastest lens, I think that's a 1.2. Uh, that's a great general purpose purpose lens that uh, that, that that's really uh, good for general shots, uh, you know, medium wide shots and things like that, and requires very little light uh, because it's so fast. Yeah, I believe that's a 1.2. 1.2, right? Yeah. yeah, 50 millimeter. So that that that's probably our best lens um, or fastest lens. What do you think, Mark? Uh, yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, the, the, the aperture is key. We, we, you know, spent some extra money to get these faster lenses. It's, it's critical, however. It's imperative that you do that. Uh, I love the, uh, the 50 millimeter Nikon that we use, uh, the 85 as well, and the 105. We have a 105 millimeter that's great. We're looking forward, actually, to putting some real long lenses on, on, on in there eventually. And we haven't had the opportunity to yet, but we're looking forward to maybe seeing what we can do with uh, uh, even in like in a sports type of scenario with, with you know, a 200-millimeter lens on there. So it's really fun, again, as being still photographers as well. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, going even a little further, breaking new ground on, uh, w with with being able to upgrade lenses and uh, get a very different shot. We shoot a variety of things, anything from sports to aerospace. We've been uh, working on an aerospace project right now, so we've been shooting some aircraft parts. We've been shooting some helicopters. We've been doing all kinds of stuff, and uh, so I in some cases, it might be nice to have a real honking long lens like a 200 millimeter. Yeah. Uh, so now we now we've got a, a you know we're saving our our pennies and anytime we have a little spare money we start looking around hey what what's our next new great lens so it's really it's opened up a lot of uh, a lot of new interest and, and excitement about it you know it's it, it's not the same old same old where it's like okay yeah you can dolly and you know push push a zoom or something it's really it's opened up I think a whole new level of creativity uh, for me personally it's it's even in fact 
got me even more jazzed about going back to still photography again. Uh, so I've been shooting a lot more still photography since we've been using the Red Rock system uh, just to get, again, more, more familiar and more acquainted with the lenses and, and try them out. Um, and and it just, it's made a lot of excitement here because we've always tried to get a, a real high-end approach, even though our budgets don't always necessarily uh, allow for it. We've always tried to get a film-like approach. And uh, this, just, this just makes our job so much easier to get the, the results that we've always wanted to get, but, but we're cost prohibitive. So that's made a big, big difference for our clients, and they, they absolutely recognize the difference. Uh, I think that we've won some jobs recently uh, because of that reason. Uh, they're able to look at that footage and, and know, wow, that's, they can't really quantify it, but they absolutely can tell that's very different. And uh, so it's really broken a lot of new ground, and it fits the mold of Del Padre Visual Productions in that we try to offer very national-level work, uh, regardless of the budgets, and we try to stretch the budgets as much as possible. And a lot of it is just being detail-oriented and uh, put, putting, uh, you know, investing in, in technology to improve the, the image. That's what we've been about for, you know, 15 years. It's how we've always been stretching that. And uh, so this has been a really exciting development. Uh, the single most uh, exciting development we've had, I think. Mark, you had uh, spent some time talking a little bit about your experience in still photography. And I'd like to, to ask you, you particularly this next question. You know, a lot of times we approach this and we talk about the, the digital videographer's perspective and how you're going from video and kind of going into this hybrid film area. I'm interested if you can give some perspective for still photographers who are maybe taking the opposite approach. You know, a lot of we have a lot of still photographers who are getting into videography and they see using Red Rock gear and a cinema lens adapter as you know, a great way to include some of the experience and skills they have in still photography and now apply that to uh, motion picture or motion uh, graphics. Uh, and, and using uh, a video camera to capture all this. So maybe you could spend a little bit of time talking about what you've learned from the perspective of a still photographer and any advice or recommendations you would give folks in, from that perspective. Yes, well, for uh, a, a still photographer, uh, like I said, it's going to be very familiar to them. Uh, it, it's not that much of a stretch because a still photographer would be able to use their experience with depth of field and aperture and lighting. The, the, the real challenge is, uh, is you don't have the ability to just open up your exposure. You know, on a still camera, unless you've got a moving target, you can get whatever depth of field you want and all you've got to do is just, you know, keep that lens open longer. That's not an option. Uh, you know, it's basically the equivalent of 30 frames per second. So, in fact, when we go out now, I usually bring uh, a 35 millimeter digital and test the the scene as it were to uh, estimate what my lighting's going to be by using uh, by using uh, shutter speeds that would emulate what the video camera is going to see. Uh, so I think the important thing is that it's helpful to have that kind of background, and still photographers will definitely uh, I I think understand. And, and take to video a little bit more if they're able to interject that same that same kind of methodology that they've been using for years opposed to you no longer have that available to you 
Uh, so I, I, I think for still photographers uh, looking to get into video, it's a way for them to continue to l use a lot of the same techniques that they have in the past. And uh, for videographers that maybe don't have still photography experience, well, then it, it's a good opportunity to, uh, to, to learn some of that technology. It's kind of like uh, old and new coming together is the way I kind of looked at it. It's like, wow, some of this stuff that I learned eons ago in, in terms of still photography, uh, I'm bringing back out to use now within videography. And that's a really exciting uh, development. It, I know it's gotten me much more excited about, uh, about shooting video uh, because it's now all of a sudden so much more rich. Uh, the, the kind of richness that you're used to seeing through a still uh, camera lens. Great. So one last question for you guys. Certainly, uh, Red Rock gear is one of a number of things that we can all use to help achieve the film look. And I think part of the success of Red Rock and cinema lens adapters in general has been a lot of other equipment that has shown up on the horizon in uh, desktop video editing, in color correction, in high definition monitors, and even in high definition uh, video cameras themselves. So in addition to the Red Rock gear, what else goes into your recipe for getting really great quality film style footage? Well again, uh, lighting is uh, extremely important as we all know. A lot of people might underestimate uh, what it takes to properly light a scene. Uh, film or cine style. Um, so lighting, uh, good lighting, good composition, uh, good actors of course if, if that's the case, uh, if you're doing some type of uh, short film. Um, uh, being able to monitor the footage you're shooting correctly, a good uh, external monitor is a necessity, especially with the uh, with the Red Rock. You will need to uh, deal with the flipped issue thing. Uh, so you, you to have an external monitor like the Marshall or the uh, Verizon monitor is imperative, so you can actually uh, achieve the critical focus and focus pulls and and really see what you're doing, as opposed to trying to look through the uh, camera's uh, small LCD screen. Um, we like to use the uh, the Red Rock Follow Focus gear, which enables real precise focus pulls, um, which is a tool that, um, of course, cinematographers use as a selective focus. So that's real nice to have. And um, yeah, but probably the number one thing I'd say is uh, good lighting, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned the Follow Focus. I wanted to touch base on that a little bit because uh, it, it's imperative. We've had other follow focus uh, rigs <clears throat> just to use for our standard lenses that, you know, they're just not smooth. So therefore, you, you know, you really can't use them so much. Uh, and the, we, we're real happy with the, the smoothness of, of the Red Rock follow focus because it does allow us. Well, now when you've got depth of field and you want precision depth of field, it's got to be smooth. It's just like a dolly shot. If it's not smooth, then don't do it. Uh, and we've been able to, uh, with the whips and, and the smoothness of the follow focus, be able to uh, uh, use that with really nice results. Because, yeah, we'll throw away anything if it doesn't look good. Uh, uh, and, and this has been um, 
really helpful because it's so smooth and well built. And that might seem like a small afterthought, but in fact, it's not. It's huge. It's very, very big. It's, uh, you know, I, I guess I make it akin to a dolly shot where, <clears throat> you know, we use track dollies to get smooth dolly shots because a bumpy dolly shot is just worthless. You're better off not doing it. Um, so the, the accessories that, uh, that Red Rock has come up with, uh, to, to work with the system, uh, it, it really is a full system, and you need to to uh, use all of that system, I think, to really get the full benefit of the lenses, which is really what we're trying to do. The the focus goes goes away very quickly, quite frankly, from the M2 back to the other end to the lenses, so we can concentrate on on what are we capturing. Uh, but so far, the, the equipment's been working out really, really well, very smooth, and uh, giving us excellent, excellent results. Great, guys. Thanks for your insight and experience and the tips that you have. You're passing on to other folks who are obviously looking to get the best out of film style and Red Rock gear as well. Now, I know it's a little bit unusual um, and that normally I ask the questions and you provide the answers, but I guess you guys also have some questions you want to ask me and Red Rock as well. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I'd like to start off by uh, asking you a little bit about the uh, history of Red Rock, how long you've been in business, and what made you guys start this uh, mission of yours? Wow, well, it's a great question. Uh, gosh, let me think back low these many years. Um, Red Rock was actually founded uh, about three years ago. It was really founded as, as a very simple premise and almost by accident. Um, we are actually filmmakers, uh, not by trade, but, but more by hobby. And uh, we just love shooting films. And, you know, like everybody else, uh, we, we kind of bought into the whole idea of digital video and the latest generation having 24P and Cinema Gamma and, you know, desktop video editing that had Magic Bullet and all these wonderful filters. And at the end of the day, it still more or less ended up looking like video, or at least not what our vision of film style was. And so we went out there looking around and saying, well, there's got to be some way that we can get this. And we saw some, some gear that allowed us to do it, but it was probably three or four times the cost of our actual camera ourselves. And we just thought, that's just silly. I mean, it, just, it seems like accessories for video cameras shouldn't be as much or more or even four or five times more than the actual camera itself. It just somehow seemed to be wrong for us. So we set out to actually start to build uh, a cinema lens adapter originally for ourselves and then we realized other folks might have some interest in this and uh, ultimately that was really the genesis of, of Red Rock and if you chart our history of the products we've introduced it's followed a very logical course. First, we felt like depth of field and the ability to use 35 millimeter lenses was really the, the, the start of it all. And, and I think you both talked about this uh, in much more eloquently than I could, but you know, once you get depth of field, suddenly you have the issue that you need to control it. And that's where the micro follow focus comes in. And again, we went out there looking, not necessarily to build a, a follow focus, but when we looked at the ones that were any good, they were $1,500, $2,000, or even more. And we just thought, that's just silly. I mean, a follow focus shouldn't be that expensive, and there should be gearing for still lenses. And you know, as we start to move forward and uh, look at uh, future products, you'll see that anything that goes into film-style shooting, you know, first on the camera, uh, such as a matte box and uh, other types of, of focusing uh, mechanisms, those are going to be uh, Red Rock's short-term uh, strategy and our short-term deliverables that we really want to bring to the table. 
uh, as we think about it more longer term, you start to think about just film style shooting in general and things outside of the camera. And that's probably gonna be a good indication of if you see anything that seems to be ridiculously overpriced and really should be something that's much more reasonable and it has directly to do with shooting in the film style, chances are Red Rock was taking a look at that. Well, that's great. We really appreciate that. And it doesn't make much sense for us either to get accessories that cost much more than the, the actual camera <laughs> does in, in many cases. Uh, I just want to add a side note that your, your website forum is an excellent, uh, an excellent way for people to get information. Um, the community there is, uh, is very helpful. And for people just getting into this or trying to uh, need help choosing lenses, the, uh, the Red Rock Forum is a great tool for both beginners and, and advanced users of, uh, of uh, adapters. Um, so you guys did a great job on that. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about any of the new products you have in the works? Sure. Well, I can talk about a couple ones that we have discussed uh, publicly. Um, both of these products will be shown at NAB in uh, April, which is just coming up probably in just a few weeks, uh, NAB 2007, which is in Las Vegas. Uh, not only will Red Rock have a booth there, but we will also be present in the JVC booth and in the Panasonic booth um, showing our gear. Um, the first is the Micro Mat Box. And uh, the Micro Mat Box is uh, possibly the uh, longest anticipated product uh, other than the, the original adapter that we put out. Um, and it's really a, a spectacular work of engineering and I give full credit to James Hurd who is our technology guru behind the scenes. Um, this mat box is uh, the specs which we've been uh, public about. It's a, it's a wide format mat box. It's been compared uh, both in quality and in you know, general kind of size to an airy mat box. Uh, but it is a, a wide-angle mat box. It supports mats on the front, so you can have different kinds of mats available. Um, it comes in a stock configuration with three uh, filter stages. There are going to be two 4x5.65 inch uh, stages that, of course, can also hold 4x4 filters. There's going to be one rotating 4x4 filter for you know, filters such as a polarizer and it's gonna include a French flag. And that base configuration is gonna be right around about $500. And, and for those folks who know anything about mat boxes or have done mat box shopping, um, you'll see that you know this uh, comparable is anywhere from $1,500 to $3,000 or, or possibly more. That's definitely very, very inexpensive for a mat box yeah, uh, from experience. We rarely get a chance to talk about, but it is actually a configurable multi-stage mat box. So you can actually reconfigure the number of filter stages and add them or remove them uh, to really give you a lot more flexibility than just a mat box with a certain number of, of stages in there. Sure. Well, that's great. Well, that's exciting for us because, uh, you know, we've got a lot of different lenses. So for us to put filters directly on the lenses uh, gets a little expensive because they're all different, uh, different millimeters. So for us to, to do the filtering at the mat box would be really, really helpful. And uh, having the selection on hand while you're shooting would be, uh, would be, would be awesome. Yeah, and that's a great point, by the way. The, um, the whole idea that uh, you know, you're buying filters and you're buying one filter for all your lenses. I mean, it's just, it makes so much economical sense. It's just a wonderful way to do it. Sure is. I have a question a little bit about lenses to pick your brain. We've... We've been uh, shooting Nikon, uh, using mostly Nikon, Nikkor lenses. 
Uh, do you have any insight on, on like Zeiss lenses or any other lenses that we might be interested in checking out? Well, it's a great question. In fact, I just finished a podcast on selecting 35 millimeter lenses. And in fact, I think a lot of the things that you guys had mentioned in your uh, answers um, kind of parallel a lot of the things that I was talking about. Um, I will mention a couple things. First, um, a lot of folks are probably aware, or if not, you know, you're now aware that Zeiss, which is legendary in the motion picture uh, film lens uh, world, has come out in the last year or so with some Nikon F-mount lenses. And they were originally designing these for still photographers in the higher end of the market. These are lenses that are designed to fit a Nikon digital uh, SLR or a film SLR. And what's really interesting is, um, while it is the quality of the kind of Zeiss glass that you've seen in motion picture films, and the quality of the casing is really remarkable. I mean, this, these, these lenses are heavy, they're metal casings, they have smooth manual focus, uh, focus rings, which is unusual in this day and age to find a brand new lens that has a manual focus ring, but nonetheless, they've done this. And they're phenomenally fast. I and mean, they right now have uh, available to purchase a 50 millimeter 1.4 and an 85 millimeter 1.4. And I know that they're kind of building out from there to offer some wide angle lenses and some macro lenses and so forth. But these are just the best possible lenses that you can get, I mean, bar none. And especially in the Nikon F mount area, you know, these lenses, the 50 millimeter, I believe, uh, uh, lists for $600. But boy, compared to a 50 millimeter 1.4 motion picture lens, which is probably two or $3,000 and, and likely more, I really don't see how even being a comparison. Now, the good news is, I mean, use Nikon glass or even brand new Nikon glass, uh, even Tamron or Sigma. I mean, these are all really great lenses. I always sort of think of Zeiss as the Porsche, right? If you've got the money and you can uh, afford it and you really want to get that extra last squeak of something out of it, uh, boy, Zeiss is a great uh, direction to go. Right. Looks like we might need to be upgrading already, huh? <laughs> yeah, we'll have to check those out. And that's part of the fun of it is it's kind of expandable. You know, you're not just uh, tied. You're, we've got a lot more uh, ability to uh, customize the rig and uh, improve the rig. Uh, and, and that's something that's really exciting. I mean, initially, after we got set up with our camera and, and accessories, that was pretty much it. That's what you had to work with. And, and now it seems like a big palette uh, has opened up for us. And, and that, that, that's, been, uh, that's been really a lot of, lot, lot of excitement for us. And uh, we'll have to continue to build up our, our uh, inventory of lenses and and so we appreciate that back that uh, that that info on that. We'll have to look for those. Yeah, we are actually um, in the booth. We actually are going to be showing all of the Red Rock gear with Zeiss lenses. So if people want to check them out, you know, firsthand, you know, certainly come to NAB and you get a chance to take a look at them uh, and play with them directly. Awesome. That would be great. Uh, one last question for you. Um, I know this might be. Uh, people might have a lot of different views on this but do you have any general advice on uh say the hvx advanced settings like pet settings and detail and coring and things like that for use with uh, uh the m2 adapter boy it's a 
boy, talk about a hot potato topic, right? Everybody you talk to not only has their favorite settings, but oftentimes, you know, believes theirs is absolutely the right ones, and you know, no one else's has theirs. Um, I, I can only tell you what I do personally, and. I have to think more, I think more holistically about the whole workflow. I'm the kind of person that tends to like to do a lot of things in post rather than in camera. And the reason why is because I feel like it gives me a lot more flexibility. I mean, part of the reason I shoot video as opposed to film is I like the idea that I can be more flexible and, and you know, run a lot more footage and go back later and piece it together uh, than having to worry about the cost of film and the cost of um, exposing the film and producing it and if I miss a shot the cost of having to reassemble everything and come back. Um, when I use the HVX you know, a couple things that I keep in mind one is I do increase the detail a little bit I probably put it about between plus three and plus five I increase the vertical detail a little bit uh, and that allows me to get a little bit sharper image uh, that compensates for a little bit of the softness that happens uh, naturally in using any kind of, of 35 millimeter lens adapter where you have these two image planes. Uh, the second thing I like to do is I like to pull down the master pad just a little bit. And what this does is it tends to um, darken the shadows a bit. And one of the things I notice about the HVX, and it's got so many great qualities, um, it tends to be a little bit noisy in the shadows. And I think what you guys had mentioned, I absolutely believe is, you know, whatever light you think you're gonna need, probably double that. And that's just true for the HVX alone, let alone anything else you're doing. So if I have shadows, I really want them to be shadows. I want them to be black and inky. And, uh, you know, by dropping the master pet, I find that I can actually really kind of crush those, those shadows and, uh, and, you know, get the kind of non-grainy, uh, um, dark, images that you typically don't see a lot in, um, in video. And then the last thing is I actually don't use any of the cinema gamma settings. I, I tend to find them distracting. They tend to darken the image a little bit more than I'd like. And, you know, it's really not hard to put in a very simple, you know, your classic S-curve type of, of gamma setting in post and it takes all of, you know, a couple seconds to do it. And plus it gives me a lot more flexibility. So if I really need to blow out the highlights or if I need to kind of bring something down a little bit more, I find that it's the equivalent of using the cinema gamma setting, but also being able to go back and change it later without being stuck with it forever. I agree, I agree, and that, 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 that's also uh, how we shoot without, without cinema gamma. Um, I do have one more. Uh, for those people that are uh, considering, I had a friend ask me about a, uh, he has a Canon uh, camcorder, I'm not sure which, uh, which model, but he was asking about uh, the adapters that they make that enable you to use the uh, Canon still lenses with it. For those type of adapters, uh, for that and the, the, the new JVC camera uh, that's come out uh, with the image flip built in, could you talk a little bit about the differences between using uh, something like the Red Rock as opposed to an adapter that simply lets you use 35 millimeter uh, glass on uh, cameras like the Nikon, uh, the, the Canon, and the uh, JVC. Would you get that same cinema style depth of field with those rigs? Sure, and that's a great question, I, and I get that fairly frequently. And let me let me just kind of give you a little bit more detail about about what people are asking about. There's, in this one third inch chip camera market, there's a couple of cameras in particular, the, the Canon uh, XL series, the XL1, the XL2, and of course their high definition camera, the XLH1. 
as well as the JVC series camera, which is the HD100, the HD110, and now with the new cameras, the HD200 and the HD250, they all have removable lenses. You know, it's really nice and, it's, and it kind of speaks to the idea that wouldn't it be great if we could just pop off those stock lenses and put on any lenses we want. The reality of that, wholly separate from Red Rock, has been more than a disappointment, I think, for a lot of folks. And the reasons are, are really twofold. One is there just haven't been a lot of lenses that have suddenly uh, produced to actually allow you to get a lot of flexibility in taking off the stock lens and putting lenses on. The second thing is for the few lenses that have come out, they've tended to be very high-end, very expensive lenses, and, and we're talking probably ten, eleven, twelve thousand dollars per lens. And it gets back to this whole idea that if I'm spending, you know, four, five, six thousand dollars for a camera, suddenly I'm now buying a lens that's, you know, twice that, and somehow that just doesn't quite make sense. Um, the particular adapters you've talked about are what are called mechanical adapters. So the idea is if I unscrew my lens from, let's say, my JVC HT100, I take off my stock lens and now all I have is the camera body, there are mechanical adapters that I can put in that allow me to change that mount from the JVC Canon, uh, sorry, the JVC HT100 uh, mount to, let's say, a Nikon mount or a Canon mount, and I can just put a 35 millimeter lens directly on there. And you would think, boy, I mean, that's that sounds like the best of all possible worlds. I just snap the lens on, it goes right into the camera, I don't have this extra length, I mean, it's wonderful. And in fact, there is some advantage to doing this, but there's a couple very specific drawbacks. One is, although you can use 35 millimeter lenses, you don't end up with 35 millimeter depth of field, right? The shallow depth of field that we're all going for in the first place. So effectively, you end up with the same kind of look, just a different lens in uh, going through it. And by, by the same look, I mean the, the, the video look, right? Everything is in focus, there's very deep depth of field. Uh, the second thing is, these lenses that go on video cameras are specially designed to have as its backplane um, three CCD chips, and they're all slightly different. They actually hit a prism, and they and they handle light in a slightly different way than you would see on a film plane, which essentially is just a flat piece of film, and all the colors just go into to one place and one location. And it makes sense. So, the net result of that, without going through a lot of the the light physics, is that you end up getting a lot of color aberrations, sort of strange color shifting and a lot of edges of color where you wouldn't normally expect that and that's that's because these 35 millimeter lenses are not designed for a chipset behind it, it's designed for a flat piece of film. So it's a great promise and, and believe me if, if we could actually uh, do that ourselves as filmmakers we would you know disband Red Rock and, and go off and happily on our way and, and be using these types of lenses and unfortunately it just doesn't deliver the kind of quality footage and the kind of depth of field to achieve the film look uh, that we really want. Right. Well that's good to know because I, I think a lot of people think that's an alternative to get that cinema style depth of field. Um, in actuality, it isn't. So uh, that that's real good to know. All right, I think that's all the questions we have for you. Well, thanks, guys. Um, Nino Del Padre and Mark Archer from Del Padre Productions. Uh, it's been uh, uh, first of all, I want to thank you for the article. It's been a tremendous read, and uh, you know, I personally learned a lot. And I'm hoping folks in listening to this podcast are also going to learn even more from you guys. Any any last remarks you want to pass on? 
Uh, again, the forum is a great tool. Uh, people could use uh, the people on there are more than willing to help uh, newbies out with uh, questions, no matter how dumb they think they might be. Um, and uh, it's a good place to get uh, reviews and things like that. Uh, your website's a great resource. Also, the DVX uh, user community is also uh, very helpful and uh, chock full of information. Great. One thing I can say is, uh, and it was interesting to hear some of your background of why you guys developed uh, the Red Rock system to begin with, and I think it mirrors uh, the same methodology that that we use and, and a lot of uh, folks in this industry use. I think you made it for the exact same reasons that, uh, that we sought it out and, uh, and ended up uh, purchasing one so that that's that's pretty cool you're definitely in tune with uh with what we're trying to get and i think a lot of people are have been uh trying to achieve so it's a it's a great it's a great piece of equipment and uh we we, we thank you guys for developing it well we're happy to uh to help not only you folks out but everybody else out there trying to achieve the same thing you know that we originally set out to do and that is just simply to create great uh film style high production value and so that we can focus now on the storytelling rather than the technology. Yep. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's the goal. That's always been the goal. And uh, having the tools to do it, it opens it up and, and you can just start being creative and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to do that. Awesome, guys. Well, listen, thanks uh, very much for your time. Uh, I'm sure everyone had... Uh, uh, learned a lot from this podcast, and uh, we'll bring it to a close now. Again, this is Brian Valenti uh, with Red Rock Micro. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next podcast. <laughs>